You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. You're listening to the Eye on Education podcast. Turning our attentions to exam stress today with educators and a psychologist. What can really offset some of the anxiety that so many children and teens go through at this time of year? And what happens if they don't get the results they need? We're also talking about GCSE and A-level choices. Plus, with a rise in plagiarism in UK university applications, what can the institutions do to fight tech with tech? This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Now, get ready for an interesting statistic. The number of pupils caught plagiarising on UK university applications has doubled in the last two years. number of personal statements flagged for plagiarism by the University and College Admission Service, UCAS, reached 7,300 last year, up from 3,559 just two years ago. International students, interestingly, accounting for one in five applications to British universities, but represented three in five cases of plagiarism. Now, this is what UCAS is saying. The most prolific countries of origin for plagiarism after the UK, India, Nigeria, Romania and China. So I'm curious, what constitutes plagiarism and what are institutions doing in order to combat it, to detect it? Joining us from Harriet Watt University, we've got the Deputy Vice Principal for Learning and Teaching, Vanessa Northway, joining us again in the studio. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Good afternoon. Are you shocked by these numbers? Um, I'm not because I think actually new technology that comes in, everybody wants to embrace it. Everyone wants to use it. Everyone wants to check it out and see what it is. It's a disappointment, obviously, as an educator, that Gen Zs and millennials who are actually applying for either their undergrad or their their postgrad programs feel it necessary to use the likes of AI, chat, GPT. But... All new technology, it's either a crisis or it's it's exciting. So, <laughs> so I think true. right now it's exciting. Yeah, given that we were freaking out about calculators when they first came out or, right. you know, the internet or television. And, and I, think, I think there's, you know, a few ways of looking at this. You'd be an idiot to say AI is wrong, we should be rejecting ChatGPT. I mean, it's like, it's effectively like saying, you know, don't use Google for, for, for a lot of people right now. It is about using it in an educated and morally correct way it's a tool and it's a it, tool. it has to be identified as a tool so you're absolutely right i mean google we all use google in the past students used to use google translate so especially students who potentially their, their english isn't their first language they would use google translate to try to get their point across it doesn't mean to say that they can't they can't think smart it's mm. just that maybe their language what they felt wasn't quite up to the mark um vanessa can i ask you what constitutes plagiarism you know what what are we categorizing as as such So plagiarism generally is looking at somebody else's work, using somebody else's work, but not acknowledging the fact that you've used that work. So in a typical essay, we'd expect students of, say, let's say 3000 words to have at least 10 references or citations in there. That would be a sound piece of academic work, your own opinion backed up by evidence that you've read and that you've researched. Unfortunately, sometimes people forget to reference or acknowledge the person that you've taken that information from. Mm. Now, when we're in the classroom, we explain to the students and we give them workshops how to cite and how, how to reference. But sometimes students do legitimately forget But as part of the academic structure in all universities and high schools, we we do implement that. So everybody knows what we have to do to acknowledge somebody else's work. So it's an acknowledgement. It's a thank you for lending me your work. And this actually helps back up my fact. Exactly. This this is something that's going to, you know, I'm going to incorporate in a way that is, you know, transparent. Yes. We're now seeing a new breed of plagiarism, which is words that have been the result of a search on the Internet or a prompt 
on a bot, for example. So when we're thinking about how AI is, I don't want to say encouraging plagiarism, perhaps, but perhaps making it easier, are we therefore seeing university applications that are literally not typed apart from a copy-paste? So AI or ChatGPT, whenever you put a search in, if you put it in two or three times, it will come back with something slightly different. I mean, it's a very clever technology um, and you can't ask it to write like you, but you can ask it to write either in a formal way or how would I write this for a university application? The, the, that is the problem, but the, the way in which students, potential students need to use it is just literally as a tool. Now, what we look for in university applications, I'm sure many universities across the UAE and, and the globe look for, is a very personalised analysis of who I am, what skills I have, mm-hmm. and all the extracurriculum activities that I've actually undertaken. So it's very wise, and educators and administrators who look at these applications will look to see that against the CV, but also against the references that have maybe come from teachers or high schoolers or your boss. Now, we can't 100% say that is written by ChatGPT, but we tend to get a sense of when we've actually read through the CV, the references of what that application might look like or or the, the vibe of that particular application. Vanessa Northway with us today from Heriot Watt University. I'm curious next about how currently and in the future higher education can overcome the threat of plagiarism in application. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School Guildford, Dubai. Joining us in studio from Heritage Watt University, Vanessa Northway, Deputy Vice Principal for Learning and Teaching. And we're talking about the rise in plagiarism in university applications in the UK. It's more than doubled in the last two years. So Vanessa, how are institutions able currently and... Looking, maybe looking to the future in terms of being agile to detect this, to protect against it. What's happening with you guys? Uh, so we have lots of different ways in which we ascertain on the application if the students are looking for which programme and, and also to try to identify who they are as individuals. That's almost as important as their grades as finding out who that person is mm. before they come into one of our programmes. So we ask for a minimum of two references um, from individuals outside on letter-headed papers so that we can call them and we can verify those, those references. But on their personal statements, we, we look for something which is very unique about them. Now, as academics, we are obviously looking at AI. We're looking to see what we can do with that as a, as a tool to yeah, benefit exactly. education. Fighting tech with tech. Yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is no software at the moment that 100% can detect that is chat GPT um, unfortunately not but we have to use human eye and 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 judgment so and what about I mean Chloe a producer was just saying earlier that she got flagged for plagiarism um, during her course and had to use a program called turn it in tell us about some of these programs that you know schools and unis are using to detect where something would have just been copy and pasted for example yeah, so Turnitin is, is a very useful tool, again, for academics and for students submitting your traditional style report or essay. So if you acknowledge that you've taken work from someone as a fact to prove your evidence, then you, you write within your essay or your report, you would highlight, you would cite it and reference it. So Turnitin will pick that up. As a tool, the academics can use that to say, OK, they have used somebody else's work. However, I can see they've actually referenced it. Mm-hmm. So even though Turnitin has highlighted it and it's given you a certain percentage of similarity, they don't call it plagiarism, they'll call it similarity from other sources. We as academics can use that as a tool and we can say, well, actually, she, she or fine. he has actually referenced that. Yeah. OK, makes sense. So the text line we go, if you've got any questions for Vanessa Northway, you can reach out on 4001. Um, message here from Raf saying, uh, my daughter's year 11, once a year out between A-levels and uni, she'll most likely go to the UK. 
when the time comes, I assume she'll apply for deferred places. Rechoice of unis, I assume she's theoretically got two chances to apply. One with predicted grades and one then the following year with the actuals. Or am I misunderstanding the process? And should she aim as high as she can um, uni-wise the first time around or run a risk rejection or apply for a mix so she secured a space? It's a lot, isn't it? Okay, so you can always defer your university application. So if she applies before she takes a year out, for example, you can always defer the offer for um, another year. Um, some universities will allow you to do that for two years. If she wishes to take that year out and learn a little bit more about herself or the direction that she actually wants to go in, then make sure if she's applying through UCAS, they have set and very strict dates that you need to apply beforehand. Um, if she's coming back, for example, to the UAE, you can apply at any time during the year. OK, good to know. Good luck, Raf, and to your daughter as well. Um, no name on this message saying, don't you think it's time to simplify the college application so students don't need to get help from ChatGPT? Well, we could return to what we would traditionally do uh, many years ago, and that's interview every single student independently. So what we also do at Harriet Watt is we, we get to meet the prospective students and their families usually um, at things like open days or application days. Um, we get to know the student just by talking to them, sometimes just talking about the programme, what their aspirations for the future are. We do get more out of that conversation usually. Mm-hmm. Now, also the, the gauge between what somebody has written and how they talk to you can be two different things. So again, that's another... Uh, red flag that potentially that we can see. Do you think the college application is too difficult or are we, is it a case of people looking for the you know, the path of least resistance when it comes to those actual applications? Well, some universities are actually looking at only four to five minute video applications now. So they have their references for the, their, the college application and they're accepting video um, as a, this is why I want to come to your university. This is who I am. Surely so that, that takes away chat GPT for one. It does, <laughs> but surely that can't be the, own, the only application. There needs to be, to my mind an argument as such that's put forward on paper when you think about certain courses being you know essay based or you know communication through god forbid pen and paper or or indeed typing um so can we get some advice then for students looking to prepare their university college applications without relying on (laughs) copied or or ai bots (laughs) um in terms of formulating your thoughts your argument as such and making sure you're you're getting the most out of that opportunity so what advice would you give parents and of course students too Every university will ask you for your transcript from your your high school or from a previous education centre. So make sure those are clear and and obviously stamped. You know, they're they're actually kind of attested so that we know that they're actually accurate and they're real. Um, We'll ask you for at least two references, one maybe from an employer or from a teacher. So make sure they're very clear and articulated and they talk about you as an individual and not just what you've achieved Mm. at that particular last job or your, um, your courses that you've undertaken at school. And then for you as an individual, it's about all the all the things that you've done outside of your schooling. So have you volunteered, for example? Do you, do you help walk dogs? Uh, you know, do you do you help your mum within the shop? Have you got a sense of business? Have you got your own mini business? Do you do you help your parents with different parts of their business? So we're looking at the individual. What actually makes you tick? Um, what we don't like to see is just someone with their grades. They have a great reference, but they haven't done anything outside of their their studies. They are literally focus on the studies only and not developing as a, an individual. That's a really interesting point in terms of that well-rounded. Um, the opportunity to have part-time jobs here, I feel like, can be a bit of a shame because, you know, you can learn so much from, you know, working, you know, 
in a restaurant or behind the counter in a shop. Um, and they're just, you know, it's just not set up necessarily in, in that way. So how else can students demonstrate? You mentioned volunteering yeah. there. Um, you know, coaching, um, you know, charity work, that kind of thing can, can all work in someone's favour. Yes, definitely. And it, it is a shame. And if students were looking to be, say, in the UK, then most, most kids have jobs at age 13, 14. Mm. Um, but here it is quite restricted until they're at least 16 to 18. Um, so yeah, they need to develop that somewhere else. They need to be volunteering, and that's got to come from the parents as well. Um, and we're going to be talking later about balancing the academics and the outside of work as we speak uh, to the team from Horizon International School. Um, no name, I'm saying my husband's just downloaded ChatGPT on my 14-year-old laptop, saying it will give him ideas for essays. Am I being really old-fashioned? Surely, if you need ideas for your essay, you read a book. Or have things moved on, as he insists? And this is how all kids study these days, rather than do any critical thinking. It's really shocked me. Um, spoon feeding and feels like plagiarism to me. I think there's such a spectrum in this, don't you? Yeah, it's a, it's one tool, and you know all schools and universities have a library. If they don't have a library with physical books, which I'm sure they do, you can have a plethora of information, articles and journals online, not just things which are found on a website, but actual proper academic journals. And I think it's about educating. If it's your child, educating them from all the different resources. You can't ever just rely on one thing. So likewise, even if if, if my child was looking at only books, I'd also be encouraging them to look online, mm-hmm. watch videos. You know, yeah. you, you get you need Podcasts. that whole rounded research base. Les, thank you so much. Really interesting Very topic. Welcome. And it's really interesting to hear what's happening currently. And I know this is a conversation that's going to be you know, continuing to accelerate um, as the technology, as we said, it's not going anywhere. It's not no, necessarily about... ever changing. It is ever changing. Um, we are continuing the conversation around GCSE and A-level choices, but applications as well. So do get in touch if there's anything we can help out with. In the meantime, though, to you and the team at Harriet Watt University, wishing you a happy, healthy 2024. Thank you. And we'll no doubt talk very soon indeed. This is Eye on Education on Afternoon with Helen Farmer with Royal Grammar School Guildford Dubai we are talking exam anxiety an awful lot of testing going on right now some people absolutely sail through actually perform really really well under pressure thrive others become jittery wrecks so we're helping you out today um getting an understanding of what exam anxiety is and ultimately how to help our teens, the young people in our lives, be their best under those circumstances with Dr. Romina Toki, clinical psychologist who does specialise in children, adolescents um, and adults at Sage Clinic. How are you, Doc? I'm well, thank you. Nice to see you again. And Helen. you. OK, be honest. What do you like with exams <laughs> when, you, when you go back to your school and university <laughs> days? Was it something you relished or something you dreaded? Do you know what? Exams was one of those things. It's not natural, is it? Like, it's not something that, you know, that is going to stay with us for life. What was I like? I would procrastinate for ages. <laughs> and then it was complete manic, manic studying, like n- endless nights. It just wasn't like I look back at it now and I'm like, that was just not healthy. <laughs> yeah, same. But then I, I also feel like I'm going to get in trouble here. Uh, you know, the, the, those who are doing the really long protracted exam periods, that's also not much fun either. You know, I was the same as you. I hated studying what I was rubbish at, hence getting a D in A-level French. Um, I quite enjoyed doing the stuff I was all right at. And then, yeah, that last minute cram. It was, you know, what always annoyed me the most. It was, and I can tell you, my friend, Beth McShane, she was like, I haven't done any revision. Yeah, I haven't really. She was a secret studier. And that used to really, really irk me. Um, and then they're the worst. <laughs> um, and then you'd see people who'd be in the corridor outside the exam hall 
absolutely mm. white as a sheet, shaking, you know, and really distressed for, for, for want of a better yeah. phrase. Um, so I wondered, I know exam anxiety isn't necessarily a, you know, psychological or medical term, but it is a very real struggle for an awful lot of people. Can you explain what it is and how it can specifically impact teenagers? Oh, absolutely. So exam anxiety. So anxiety is, uh, as we know, it's um, a normal, like physiological response to a stressful situation. And what does anxiety look like? You know, this is really fearful thoughts, maybe really underestimating our ability to handle a situation. Uh, it's very physiological, like you said, like, you know, those people that just look white, like the blood's been drained from their face, like lightheaded, sweaty. Um and um, and it's the behaviours, it's what you do with that anxiety. So for some people, it might be like complete avoidance, not being able to get into the exam hall, not being able to open up an exam book. But it could be the opposite, where people are frantically going through um, their revision notes over and over again, not really absorbing it, but just the act of like obsessing over it, going through it again and again and again. So exam anxiety looks, can in many ways, look very similar to what anxiety might look for a lot of us. But I guess what we're looking at is the severity of it. Mm -hmm. how, how long is it lasting? How much of a young person's life is it taking up? Um, and how much is it impacting, you know, their life, their sleep, their eating, their relationships? And their results so, as well. But, you know, I think exactly, this, right? is, this is this is the, the kind of the heartbreaking things. You know, the more you're affected, mm -hmm. the more that's going to impact your results. And it st starts to have this compounding effect. Now, things have moved on an awful lot when it comes to teen mental health, certainly since, you know, a lot of us listening were at school and, you know, provisions are made. We're having more open conversations about anxiety, which I think is a really, you know, really, really positive thing. So... You know, I wondered if you could explain maybe some strategies um, for parents, for educators to support teens, and then we'll move on. To, we'll move on to what teens can do themselves. So, if you know people listening today, going, "Oh gosh, you're absolutely describing my kid to a T." There, they're getting themselves in a real state over this. What can we say and do at home to support during a stressful period, Doctor? Absolutely. So one of the first things I say is language is our, is our primary tool for us, right? So, you know, when you're noticing, you know, your children uh, or the young people around you having these really catastrophic thoughts, if I fail this exam, my life is over. You know, these are things we hear all the time. It's reframing that for them. You know, the exam, if it doesn't go exactly the way you want it to go, your life will not be over. Like use it as an opportunity, use it as an opportunity to learn, to grow. Like, you know, think about the possibilities that can come out of this, help them see that it is their world is much bigger than the exams. Mm -hmm. Of course, some anxiety is, is necessary. We want to do well in exams, but we also have to think about the way that they view it. And if they're viewing it through these really extreme lenses, how productive is that going to be for them? You know, I think that's the balance, isn't it? You know, as parents, we want our children to strive towards, I was going to say academic success. That's not necessarily what I mean. I guess fulfilling their potential, whatever that might look like. Um, but also, you know, protecting their, their mental health and, and striking that balance. And I think, yeah, language is, is absolutely key. Um, what about things that teens can do themselves, whether it is, you know, emotional regulation or organisation, which we're going to be touching on further after four o'clock from a psychological point of view? From a psychological point of view, one of our one of the earliest tools we give to people when it comes to anxiety is to come into the present. Anxiety is about being really afraid of the future, right? So it's about coming back into the present. So help, you know, help yourself, ground yourself into the moment. So I think we spoke about this before. 
use your senses. Use your senses to just get into the moment. What's happening around you right now? What can you do right now? Taking deep breaths, taking care of yourself, um, you know, and just remembering that, you know, studying for long periods of time can be actually quite unhelpful and unproductive. Mm -hmm. So create balance in your life. Carve out time where you connect with people, you take care of your basic needs, you eat something, eat something nutritious. Like I, I remember during exam periods and like backing those energy drinks. They're so unproductive, aren't they? Like in the moment you can get short bursts of info in, but then you're crashing half an hour afterwards, you know? So yeah. just basic those um i don't know if there was if they were still around when you were studying but those pro plus caffeine tablets were a thing at our school oh, everyone banged on about with pro plus yeah with a wash down with a lucasaid <laughs> good grief um I, I wanted to touch on tech just briefly you know mm -hmm. play, we've just been talking there about about tech for plagiarism but you know whether it is you know comparisons on social media you know to classmates who are doing doing loads or doing very little mm -hmm. um you know what role Good or bad can tech play when it comes to, you know, contributing or even alleviating exam anxiety? Listen, there are there's there's two sides to every coin and tech is just one of those things. On one side, as you said, it's like um, comparing yourselves to maybe peers or other people. You know, people do those reaction videos of getting onto these incredible universities and, you know, and, and it can set very unrealistic standards for yeah, some people. Because no one posts the ones where they don't get in. <laughs> You only see the one yeah. with the families crowded around. Yeah, and even if and even if they did, they're not the ones that get the no, they, that, that get that are popular, right? So yeah, for sure, when you're exposed to one side of the story, it can be very unhelpful and painful mm -hmm. for young people. But on the other side of it, technology can be a helpful way of seeing the other side of it as well, where people can learn grounding strategies, what young people are finding helpful, where they can share resources, share tips on learning and organizing. You know, organization seems to be a hot one on TikTok. You know, people love talking about how they organize their life, organize their wardrobes, organize, you know, organize things. So mm -hmm. in many ways, they can be useful tips to pick up from there as well so again balance balance is everything <laughs> absolutely I mean I would and you would never say this because you're too modest but I would also say getting professional help can be really really useful for a teen to have someone they mm -hmm. can talk to who's got no skin in the game who hasn't isn't a parent who's got expectations who isn't a friend who's also you know piling on the pressure or, or not as the case might be um we're going to yeah. continue this conversation all the way through the afternoon thank you so so much um dr Romena, speaking to us from sage clinics you are a child and adolescent specialist so you are there if anyone does need a little bit of help um and thank you so much for your time today this is eye on education on afternoons with helen farmer with royal grammar school guildford dubai Joining us over the course of the next hour, not one but two expert educators. Lewis Retray is with us today, Deputy Head of Academic Senior School at Repton Dubai School. We're talking about choices. We're taking your messages as well, 4001. Um, lovely to have you with us. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? And I'm, happy Dubai birthday. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, I'm really well, thanks. I, although I have to say, a lot of this chat about exam stress takes me right back to the corridors outside the exam halls, to the the stress and the pressures and it's hard to kind of often work out where that comes from you know is it from the educators the parents ourselves our friends um and you guys are right in the middle of it mocks were before christmas you've got a second round coming up in a few weeks and of course the real deal um how how are the stress levels in the corridors at repton dubai yeah there's there's obviously pressure on on the young people but uh, there's lots of ways we can relieve that and try and make sure that uh, everybody's entering them in a, in a good state of mind i think we know we're not not saying you know 
stress is bad. Like, you know, in, you know, this is going to be part of these young people's lives all the way through. You know, we're assessed, we're, you know, we're examined, we're, you know, critiqued in professional life. And this is where it starts. It's, it's, it's getting familiar with some of these high pressure environments. I think where it can get upsetting, as we heard from the psychologist earlier, is when it's not a productive stress when it becomes paralyzing Um, and I wondered what advice you have for students in particular for managing anxiety during this exam period so yeah self-care is right at the top there Um, and by that I mean trying to balance that mental well-being and physical well-being as well exercise is very important keep that going Mm -hmm. Um, nutrition is very important Um, and the golden bullets is sleep um, of course as well which our young people don't ever really get enough of mm-hmm. um, and you know really taking care of yourself and, and actively taking care of yourself is, is so important there um, and having that, that awareness to be uh, yeah to be to be looking after your mental health because that's the temptation health. isn't it, to stay up all night and we were just talking yesterday on the show with a neuroscientist who specializes in sleep health and just we were talking about memory actually brain fog and memory so if you want to catch up on that the podcast is, is up now um, and just how much of our brains retain information because of the quality of sleep um, and it is, it's really counterproductive to think that you know if you go to bed early you, you're probably going to be doing yourself a service you know when it comes to actually sitting down in that exam but yes good sleep hygiene. Um, tell us then a little bit about some effective strategies for preparing for exams. You know, are we still in the days like I was of having, you know, a big piece of paper behind my desk and a few note cards or have things moved on a bit, Mr. Rittray? I think there are, you know, a variety of ways. It's, it's important to find what works for you. More important is the most important thing. Everyone's going to have a personalised um, learning style. Anything that active or that is active in its approach does work. So, yeah, the flashcards still work and the big Yay! bits of paper still work and that, that approach is, is still there. Um, it also helps to have someone to bounce off with that's explaining um, your ideas to, to a parent, to another peer, um, working together, collaboratively um, on that revision. Anything that's active is going to be really important. Um, time management and having a plan uh, and prioritising that plan is probably the essential part as well. Um, and making sure that the targets that you're setting yourself are smart, that you're not just saying, well, I'm going to study maths today, but there's something you know particularly specific and a topic. Um, and those are smart targets that you're setting, setting for yourself. What about the role of parents? I still remember the crunch of gravel of my parents' <laughs> car in the driveway and I'd scurry to put down the TV remote and get to my desk and make it look like I was doing some work. Sorry, mum and dad. Um, <laughs> but you know, in terms of being supportive and the right level of involved versus overbearing and naggy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as a parent, there's a few things that, that you can do. I think about setting up the environment is really important, mm-hmm. making sure that there is an area that is uh, you know, devoid of distractions, um, that, you know, you're not studying in the room with your PS5, your Xbox uh, sitting sitting beside you, um, that there is a quiet area that, that, that's there. Um, but also, again, the parents have a, you know, a big role, again, in nutrition and making sure that there is a healthy lifestyle being maintained. Mm-hmm. Um most importantly, I think probably is the emotional support, though, that's there celebrating success, no matter how small that success is, whether that's, um, you know, a little bit of progress that day, making sure um, that that emotional well-being is being looked after um, and taking an active interest, listening to concerns can go a long way. Very often teenagers have a, a tendency to go blah, their parents and get everything off their chest uh, and, and they don't really need any outcome from that. That's the, 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 the function. It's the, the, having someone to talk to mm-hmm. that's really important. So, yeah. so that good, emotional support. Yeah, some, some good... It sounds really corporate, like, but good active listening, not necessarily trying to fix things, just being there. I think we often forget, or I certainly did as a teenager, that we're on the same team, you know, and it can feel like a bit of an us versus them parents and teens at this time. But 
ultimately, hopefully, everyone's working towards a common goal. Um, we've had questions about how to deal with, um, you know, any disappointment. How can we as parents handle when children doesn't achieve the high marks? Uh, Dave's asking, how common is it for students to perform badly in mocks and then pull it out of the bag for the real thing? He says, our lad needs a scare. Uh, we're going to be talking about that next. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School Guildford, Dubai. It is exam season. We're in conversation now with the Deputy Head of Academic Senior School at Repton, Dubai. Uh, Lewis Rache is with us. They had their mocks before Christmas. There's another round of exams coming very soon. And then it's the real deal. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> um, we've had a number of messages asking about, I guess, the logistics of, of exams. And Dave saying, how common is it for students to perform badly in mocks, but then pull it out of the bag for the real thing? He says, our lad needs a scare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is a common uh, common story um, that students tend to have an uplift between the, the mock and the, and the final outcome, and that's to be expected. The mocks are there to, you know, they, they are exactly as they say in the tent. It is a mock. It's not the real thing. Um, they are there to be formative. Um, they're not the, the, the stamp that's, that's going to go on, on, on anything. They're there to uh, work as a mechanism to reflect on uh, weaknesses, to reflect on mistakes that have been made, to look at your time management in the exams, and inevitably, therefore, you get better. Mm. Um, you're also more mature. You know, even six months down the line when you're a teenager is, is, is a long time. Um, and your approach and that um, sort of holistic development there is, is really important. So how can students then use that performance to go, you know, put, put a bit of a fire up? Because it can be this, oh gosh, I actually thought I was better at this or conversely can you get students who do do well and then are a bit complacent when it comes to the real thing you know it's all information I guess yeah it's, it's probably probably less common but yeah, yeah I mean you know, it inevitably does happen I think mocks should be seen as an opportunity they should be seen as a, as a positive thing they are a practice they are there to prepare you for the real thing um, and that you know element of self-reflection self-awareness um, after the mocks is hugely important and, and really as I say identifying those weaknesses and really working on them um, is going to uh, raise those outcomes I'm going to sound like a million years old now but my kids are younger, so we're not at this stage. How long is a typical exam now? Like, you know, is it an hour? Is it three hours? What we're looking at? Um, usually two hours. Um, it would depend on the on the paper and depend on the subject. But usually around between an hour and a half and two hours, depending on the on the subject. I think it's really interesting to think about how attention spans in in teens and young people has changed over the last couple of decades. Because I think a lot of adults we've noticed our attention spans, our ability to concentrate for prolonged periods, has been really jeopardised because of how we live our lives. And I'm not asking for answers. I'm just curious. You know, if there's going to be any reflection on this in years to come. Um, the text line we go, no name on this one, saying, is there anything we shouldn't say to teens or students that might feel quite natural, but is actually quite damaging or can cause more pressure or stress or invalidation? Great question. So I think that it has to be positive reinforcement is, is the thing that you have to stick with. So any negative comment about performance um, is going to be something that, that's going to have or could have a, a, you know, a detrimental um, effect. So focusing on the positives, focusing on the element of, of self-reflection um, and again, emphasising that, that this idea that this isn't the end of, of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even uh, you know, a bad set of GCSE results or A-level results, people can go on. Um, people develop at different stages of life. Jeremy Clarkson um, tweets about their, it every single year. Yeah, this that's is what it. I got at school and these are my cars. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And, you know, most people will probably have two or three careers, uh, you know, different careers going forward over the years. Um, and, they'll, they'll, you know, it's a race that people are at different stages that all the way through their yeah. lives. So, yeah, avoiding that negativity and that positivity, that opportunities will come um, and you will find your place. Um Let's talk about that balance, because it's very easy for students, especially in a high pressure school environment or even, you know, a 
country, you know, like the UAE, um, to be all consumed by academics, you know, especially at crunch times during exams. And you talked earlier about, you know, making sure you are staying active, staying, staying engaged. Is that something that parents have a role in enforcing as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's part of that, uh, you know, that, that well-being there that's going to be so important, that balanced routine um, of taking breaks, of having exercise, um, you know, Im- embedded in your approach. And it's important that, you know, the piano lessons and the rugby matches continue, uh, you know, as well. There's an element of that is about prioritising and planning. Um, you know, if you have a, an exam on a Monday morning at 8.30 and you have a 10-hour rugby tournament on the Sunday, it's probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean stop exercising. That means look at your time, chunk your time. Uh, and, and pick your moments when you're going to really uh, maintain that balanced lifestyle. So important. Last question from the text line. I want to call you Mr. Mr. Andre. Please, please call me I this. find it really <laughs> weird calling teachers by their first name even now. Um, saying when grades and getting a good mark is a priority for university acceptance, how can parents, ha- how can we handle when children don't achieve those high marks? So I guess again, those moments of disappointment where perhaps, you know, plans could potentially get derailed because of the results on that piece of paper, on that screen. What can we be saying and doing in those moments? I'd suggest that that there are always opportunities there. Um, And, you know, Repton Dubai, we have a fantastic university counsellor, as you know, as all schools will, um, who once those exam results come out, then there will be uh, the clearing process where more courses open up. Um, Now, that might mean looking at a foundation course, but a one-year foundation course could get you on on the course that you wanted to get on in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's one year out of your life, which seems like a long time when you're 18, but as we all know, it's it's not really. Um, And so there are always options there. Indeed, it might be that you can still get into your university of choice, but then you can adapt your course um, later on once you're, you're you know, a year down the line. Um, and particularly universities that have perhaps you know, liberal art programmes and so on, there's a high degree of flexibility there um, as well. So, you know, if the results don't go the way that they you know, expected, then there are always opportunities there. Um, and again, it's that self-reflection, that self-awareness saying, OK, well, this is where I've got to. How am I going to move on from this? Because mm-hmm. there is always going to be a chance. Perfect end to uh, to end on there. Uh, Dr. S- uh, called you. <laughs> Lewis. I'm really struggling to call a teacher by his first name. Lewis Rattray. Mr. Rattray, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate your insights. I'm going to be talking next about GCSE and A-level choices. Um, joining us now from Repton Dubai School, uh, the Deputy Head of Academic, wishing you and everyone at the school the very best for the exam period. Keep calm, carry on. Let us know how it goes, won't you? Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Fantastic to have you with us and great to be joined in studio by Darren Gale, the principal of Horizon International School. It is exam season. I think tensions running high in a lot of lot of Dubai households right now. We're going to be talking a little bit about what happens if you don't get the results you need. Um, and also making A-level and GCSE choices. How, how's the mood at school? Wonderful. Um, it's busy. And as, as you've just alluded to there, it's, um, it's quite stressful. You, we've got mock exams uh, going on at the moment. We've got A-level module exams going on at the moment. And at the same time, next week, we've got the current year nines and the current year 11s making their option choices for the next milestone. Ooh. So it's a really crucial time with, with that with parent-teacher consultations and those guidance sessions going on in school. Isn't it funny when you're a parent, you feel like every stage is the most challenging mm. and, you know, from the newborn all the way up to the teens, there's just every, every year and every stage, there's something that 
you know kind of you can learn and yeah, yeah. it's a it's a, it's a really it's a, so what i'm really saying here is it's not just the students that are going through this you know it's it's the it's the families and how mm. you pull together at this time is is so so important can we talk about choices before we talk yes. exams if you don't mind Darren? um how should students go about choosing their gcse and a level subjects you know obviously wanting to strike that balance between you know aligning with future career goals but you know also maybe parental expectations do that tend to play a role as well yeah i mean it's a really challenging time because for the first time some of our 13 year olds are making decisions about their future that they're really not they haven't got an understanding or awareness they haven't had any of that work experience they've only seen sort of family members or people on tv doing doing jobs so i think the crucial thing is to go into it with no fixed plan initially and just begin to think about exploring the end game in mind. And I don't mean that by being a vet or being a doctor or or being a teacher. It's thinking about the types of work and the skills that you have that you would enjoy. Do you want to be in a position where you enjoy working with people? Mm-hmm. Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to work with the elderly? Is it? It's thinking that more generically. And it's that fine balance then between choosing subjects that you think you'll really enjoy, but at the same time choosing the right combinations of subjects so that it keeps doors open. Because in reality, for many of our 13-year-olds, have the jobs been invented yet? Probably Probably not. not. And probably will they chop and change their minds? They'll be completely different people by the time they're 18 and they might choose completely different courses. So keep it open, keep it varied. But in those early stages, keep it about what puts fire in your belly and what's going to give you those generic skills that you need. How instrumental is the school in terms of helping with that, especially with that combination where you might have, you know, a student who loves writing but the idea of actually studying for and performing in three essay based subjects at a level could be particularly challenging how how instrumental is the school in helping with that i mean schools play a pivotal role in this and families will look to the school for their expert guidance mm-hmm. you know and in many respects what the schools say parents and students will follow because we are considered to be the experts And also schools need to be acutely aware that families are living at the moment in this country, but they have to think about home countries, future destinations, visa expectations and all of that. And and it's really important that some schools will be very clear about what kind of studies and students they want and they expect. At Horizon International, we like to think that we keep those doors open for children, that, you know, Every child is different. No two children are the same. The combinations of subjects, the option blocks. It's really important that schools listen to what children are saying. And it's, it's no good doing it now. We know our year seven's coming through. When they get to year nine, we know the kinds of interests that we have. It's up to schools to facilitate those pathways, not just for now at 14. You'll see schools talking about the 14 to 19 pathway so that we can eliminate the choice that we choose now and then we choose again and then we choose again. And am I good enough? You know that once you get on this journey, that's you to where you want to go. Um, Darren, can I ask you in terms of what about those students who are very single minded? You know, Mm. I am going to be you know, a cardiologist and, you know, is that quite common? I mean, I'm thinking about especially environments such as Dubai where we do have a lot of really gifted academic kids and a lot of ambitious families. Yeah, we, you know, we have children that are very clear they're going to be doctors, they're going into medicine, they're going to be engineers. Very, and that's absolutely fine. The role of the school is not to judge. The role of the school is to support where they want to get to mm-hmm. or who they want to be right now or in the future. 
Now, we are in exam season right now mm. and it can be a little bit, um, how can I put this? It can be a crossroads. Um, you know, let's say you've got a student who is really, really dedicated to working in maths and numbers, for, for example, and then they don't necessarily get the results they need for that to be a reality. How can parents support that um, if there is a disappointment or is a bit of a bump in the road, whether it's at mocks or indeed the yeah. real deal? Yeah, and and, and that... That needs to be planned and prepared for, and that needs to be signposted to teenagers. They they don't have the language. I've, I've spoken before on the radio about having the language of dealing with those big emotions and being okay to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's open dialogue, lack of judgment. Again, it's it's talking to students about well, why do you feel that way? What what makes you want to do that? It's it's dialogue. It's open. It's honest, and and it's it's allowing children to experience some of that vulnerability. It's really important. And this is this is when sometimes for some for some students it's the first time that you have these really tough moments. Well, you see, you have to see it also from a child. They're still children. Yeah. You know, you have to see it from a child's eyes. They're putting themselves out there very publicly for the first time, where them as a learner or as a human are being judged. Mm-hmm. And, and we shouldn't underestimate the impact that that has, especially agree. in a highly competitive environment, certainly with some demographics in some parts of the country where the expectation are, is really high. And, you, you know, will you, break, will you let down the family and what, what are we going to do? Yeah. What does this mean? How does this reflect? Yeah. Um, when it comes to the text line, it's an anonymous message saying, um, have a son, first year of college, was an A student at school, but unfortunately failed one subject in the first year of university. How can we help him overcome it? We've spoken to see what went wrong and the answer we got was it was a difficult exam and many did not make mm. it. I'm sure he is emotionally affected though he doesn't show it. How can we support him emotionally? It's from a mum. That's that's really quite difficult and when students get to that stage, I mean perhaps I'm being quite hard line on this, but you have to experience failure. You know, you can, there's a limit to what you can do. Mm. In my view, it's happened. There is a reason, there is a justification and sometimes we just have to not overanalyze it. It is what it is. Move on. It's not going to be the first mistake. It's not career defining. It's not going to be the first failure. This is part of life Mm -hmm. and part of growing up. And it can be quite interesting. You know, this is a university example, but, you know, to to go from GCSE to A-level and a subject that you might have excelled at. And then you're like, oh, good grief. That was a big jump up in in terms of knowledge. And and even if having a different teacher can make a big impact on how you experience that subject. We see it all the time. You know, students that can just wrote, learn a GCSE, but when you go on to A-level or those those further depths of study, that depth and mastery, that critical thinking, that analysis and evaluation that, that are really quite crucial, that can make children question, students question, well, actually, am I as good? I used to be an A and now I'm getting Ds and Es. And you start looking for for reasons of, of, of why that is. And we mm-hmm. see children struggle all the time. Again, it comes down to that academic mentoring, that coaching and signposting it for kids. You will find the first module of year 12 a challenge. <laughs> Be prepared. I, I did. Yeah. Um, Darren Gale is with us today, the principal at Horizon International School. We are in exam season. I, how many years in education have you been, sir? This this is my 25th year. Oh, my brother. Yeah. So in that time and of, of having, you know, helped students at all different levels in your career through exam periods, what are some of your golden rules for revision and exam performance that you feel like actually everyone can really benefit from? Yeah, well, the old adage that's at the front of each PowerPoint presentation when we do options evening, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. It's no good dig- digging your head in the sand. So let's have an open and honest conversation 
organization? Where are we at? Where are we headed? What do I need to do to get there? And tap into a range of professionals, both inside and outside the school, to support you with that. Eat well, sleep well, you know, be kind to yourself. And that's something that parents can do rather than helicoptering in and saying, we need more revision, you need more exams, you need more tutoring. Um, at, the, at the same time, it's there's... I'm a great believer in retrieval practice. The brain needs to be trained. It doesn't come automatically. Mm. Cramming will do nothing. So that constant retrieval practice, you know, pulling the information from deep within your, returning that from a sensory memory, short-term memory into a long-term memory and pulling that out. The mocks are really important. As my colleague from Repton Dubai said, that's more about exam technique, knowing your way around the paper, retrieving over stress. So, it, it's more of a multi-layered approach that actually needs to begin from the day one, minute one of year 10, mm. so that you're well prepared as we approach the final weeks of... And of, when the nerves get too much, what can help there, Mr. Go? Stop. Just stop. Stop yourself. Stop studying. Just take a moment. Press pause. Analyze why you might be feeling like that or where are the gaps or why am I not getting this? But just stop mm -hmm. because more often than not, the students will just change tack, do more of the same, the panic. try to panic, but it's just stop. Thank you so much. Brain break. Brain break. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Gale, all the very best to you and oh, yours at Horizon you. International School at this time of year. And I, I extend that to teachers, support staff, the students, of course, and the parents at home who are doing their bit to, you know, get them to bed at a decent time and feed them a healthy meal and offer those words of reassurance that, you know, we are on the same team, that we all want the same thing and we're going to love you no matter what. Unconditional. But, absolutely right. Darren Gale, Principal at Horizon International School. That was Eye on Education. I'm Helen Farmer and you can catch us live on Dubai Eye 103.8 every single Thursday afternoon.